Yo, what's going on, everybody? You checking it out? It's the Highly Advised Podcast, episode fifty-seven. I'm here with two of my brothers, a couple good friends to you guys, Lyle, Nigel. It's me. If if you don't know, it's Spence. So, what's going on with you guys? It's episode fifty-seven. How are you guys feeling today? Yo, 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 yo! It's your boy Lyle Shay, aka Big Cozy, Too Cozy. I'm doing really well. Shouts out to Spence. Shouts out to Nigel. What's up, Nigel? How you doing, man? Not so bad. This is relaxing. No G underscore Jackson. I am here with my amigos and compadres. We're here for another week. This is episode 57. This is the best hip hop and MMA podcast on the internet. And you can follow us at the highly advised podcast yep. on Instagram. You can follow us on the YouTube with the same name. And if uh-huh. you go to advise highly on Twitter, you can even follow us there. We are yes, here sir. for y'all providing all types of MMA and hip hop content Maybe you can even suggest something cool for us to look at, too. We're here for you guys. Exactly. Exactly. We're here for you guys. We want you guys to know. We want you guys to know what's going on in hip hop and in combat sports. But at the same time, like my man Nigel said, you sometimes there's things you want to see that we may not have mentioned. So you got to bring it up to us so we can help you out. Because, listen, we want cho- we want everybody to understand this. There's no other place in the universe. No other place in the universe like the highly advised podcast. You can't go get MMA and combat sports and hip hop and R&B and pop culture all in one. It's it's a hard find. It's like it finding a needle in a haystack. You might be matter of fact, it's worse than that. It's, it's like trying to it's like finding the Alchemist album mm. on YouTube. It's mm. impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much impossible. We're going to so, get into that later. Definitely so, definitely so. But with that being said, how how have your fellas your fellas week been so far? Like how you guys been feeling since like the last time we talked, since the last time we talked to the fans? Man, I feel I feel relaxed. I feel happy. Mm. I feel very grateful, very blessed, very uh spiritual. I feel very, very financially stable. And um You burned the sage this morning. Nope. No sage, just a good old H2O, the same shit that you always say at, at the end of every episode. So uh, I feel good. No complaints. This upcoming week is going to be a very relaxing week. And uh, mm. I think a few people know why. And uh, I got nothing more to say, man. I'm ready to talk about uh, our topics. What about you, Nigel? This week has been uh, pretty good. You know, I've been chilling out, doing, you know, some thinking and whatnot and just, you know, getting some things in order. Um, I can feel that that uh, my leg is like really getting to the point where I'm like, okay, like this is kind of the way it's supposed to be, you know what I mean? After a long time of healing and whatnot. So it's kind of cool. You know, I haven't really been, you know, up to anything new, but just, you know, kind of carrying on with what I've been doing for the last few weeks. And it's like, you know, not so bad. The weather is nice. It's beautiful outside. Nah, that's a fact. The li- life is good. The weather has been beautiful. I ain't gonna lie. I'm glad to hear your leg is finally getting better, man. Like, you yeah, back no. to last time I saw last time I saw you was kind of had like a nice little pimp limp. You know what I'm saying? If anybody, that's, anybody that's watched uh, Snowfall knows he was he pretty much was like Franklin with the cane for a while. So if you watch Snowfall, at some point, you'll see, you'll understand what I mean. But um, I actually started watching it again, man. 
Oh, word. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna dedicate some time to catch up so we can discuss it. Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely do that. I think that'd be a good dis- good discussion we could have. But like between that and then even like Lao said, like it's the same deal. Feeling beautiful, feeling great, drinking water, sage is burning sometimes just to clean out the toxins and spirits. Hmm. But other than that, I mean, I can't complain. I can say this though, even though I'm feeling great, I know who didn't feel great last night was probably Cody Garbrandt and the UFC fight night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. He fought when he fought Rob Font last night. He, um, it, it, it didn't go his way. Yeah, I, I can say that. To be very polite about it. Yeah. Before we jump too far ahead in terms of how the fight went, uh, how what what did you guys think of the fight? So when I watched it, you know, me and Lyle were talking about it, kind of, you know, throughout the fight, and definitely afterwards we gave our thoughts to each other. But it's like essentially it's. The way I looked at it is is that he went in there and got dominated and, you know, kind of just got, you know, lit up for about five rounds. And there was a point in time where Cody was doing, you know, decently well on the ground is what I'll say. One thing that uh, Lau had pointed out was like his uh, the way he was wrestling, it might have tired him out, which I mean, could have had an effect on the rest of the fight. But I mean, he just looked to essentially get beat up for, you know, the next three rounds. And it's like. Shouts out to him because he didn't look so bad, you know, prior to that. Um, but me personally, I just think that, you know, he didn't he did not look that great last night. So that's it just didn't go in his favor. I also agree that he didn't look that great. What I will say is here's where the positive starts. His chin held up. Usually when he's getting uh hit quite a bit, he's getting pretty knocked out. Um also that first round and the fifth round. He did show signs of trying to compete, trying to win the fight. I think he got 50-45. I'm not upset if somebody comments, I think it's 49-46. I very, very disagree with the judge that gave it to Rob Font, 48-47. I think that uh, Rob Font, his striking was on point. He was utilizing his, his reach and his jab very well. And he wasn't even looking for any knockout shot or any knockout blow. It was kind of like he was taking his time, peppering him with the jab. He'll throw a straight one, two, boom, boom, boom. I like how when he was, when he got taken down the third time, he used the Kimura to kind of threaten Cody to, to get off of him. And so this way he could either do a sweep or just get up off the, the ground. So, and then he was stuffing takedowns. So Rob Hunt, he really had a, a, a good world-class co- uh, performance in this fight. And I think that he's about one fight away from a title shot. I think he looked good for Cody Garbrandt. However, you know, shouts out to him. He is a former champion. He did, he did beat Dominic Cruz, but he's at the back of the line for bantamweight now. Um, he should drop down to 125 if he wants to see a title fight pretty soon. But if he does want to cut the weight, then he, hopefully he knows that he's going to have to fight, you know, three to four times before he was sniffing the title because there's some, there's quite a few guys in front of him now. I think at 125, he actually would have a decent run to be like a contender quickly too. Like it's not like there's, and there is competition at 125, don't get me wrong, but I think Cody Garbrandt could go down there, possibly knock somebody out and be like, 
in the title picture because he he does still have that in him. You can see it, especially early in the fight. He was he didn't look slow. No. Yeah. yeah like I mean, he I think he had, he would have a better chance at at one twenty five. Just overall, like I mean, I think when it comes to after seeing the fight after his performance last night, and as you could see, as you saw, as we all saw. He did have some issues, and Rob Font was sticking him with the jab as well as keeping not rushing himself to try to go for a knockout, go for the kill. And we saw how even in round five where Cody was actually taking advice from his corner, trying to actually try to go first when it came to the uh, the point of attack, which was helping him somewhat, but he was still getting caught. So I think, like Lau said, I think this does push him to the back within Bantamweight, and I think going to 125, Similar to what Nigel even said, there is competition there, but we we all know this when it comes to sports, especially when it comes to like someone that's been at the championship level. Like you have, it's not guaranteed that you're going to have an easy run at a at a lower weight class, but it gives you a little bit more. It gives you, it can give you an advantage. It can give you an advantage if your skill set is still up there and you're able to still make the weight. Because I think the weight cut is going to be the biggest issue for him. So. Supposedly, uh, it said that he doesn't have a uh, too hard of a time getting down to 125. Though I'm not sure exactly as to how that go that'll go for him. Well, if it if he doesn't have a hard time going down there, then it. I mean, because I don't even think he he probably doesn't really have to cut that much then right now, and he's he's still pretty young though, right? I think he's what like maybe 28. Like, I think 28, 29. Oh, yeah. He could uh, yeah. at least like, go down there and try it out. Yeah, he's our age, so he is not. Youth is still on his side. Yeah, so like he he has a he definitely has a shot because I think even I think that was around the same age when Connor was uh jumping down to like one forty five, and like pretty much depleting his whole body just to cut weight. So at at that young of an age, being the champion before, he knows what it's like to compete at the championship level. It's just cutting that weight and possibly even cutting that weight may make him a stronger fighter within the ring. To be honest with you, just because it's it's less weight on him and he'll probably hopefully. He's if it's not an issue cutting the weight, it should help him with uh car- still carrying the power that he has because he's and we all know Cody like when Cody is able to be on all cylinders, he's not like he's not just someone you can just toy around with to some extent. So, but I do also remember um Michael Bisping during the fight like he was saying how Cody Garbrandt did have like he had he did have a case of COVID, had vertigo. Um, pneumonia and all these other things so not saying those are excuses but i think i think he more than likely cody after this fight like even cody said after the fight he had to deal with a lot of himself and with within that fight so hopefully he figures out what the recipe is for him maybe take some time to try to get his mind clear figure out on the weight cut and probably go from there i think so this this is my bad, Nigel, but this is where the realness has to come in. You know, this is when the right. professionalism has to go out the window a little bit. Cody Garbrandt must have been confident enough, and he yes. probably thought, hey, I have the tools and skills to beat this guy, to sign on the dotted line. And then when you lose, now all of a sudden it's, oh, well, I'm dealing with this. I was dealing with that. Like, you're taken away from Rafa's performance, right? It wasn't like Cody blues ACL during training camp and then all of a sudden he went into the fight still. Then that's a legitimate excuse. But the whole COVID and all that, he had I feel like if you if you felt like that was really a factor in his fight, 
then why are you fighting? Well, this was my, this is what Michael Bisping was saying. No, 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 I, I, and I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I feel like that's bad excuses. That's not fair. Look at Hamza Shemaev. He apparently he got stricken with COVID pretty bad or to the point where he prematurely retired before he, you know, reversed his, uh, his, his thoughts. If, if it's like that, then maybe take some more time before you fight. Don't sign on the dotted line. Be very, you know, coming out saying like, Hey, I think I'm going to have a much better performance than I did against Dominic Cruz. Cause that's what he said to turn around and be like, Oh, wow. I was dealing with a lot. Like, I'm pretty sure he was dealing with a lot. I'm pretty sure Rafa was dealing with a lot. Everybody deals with a lot in training camp. So you're taking away from Rafa's performance when you're saying, Hey, I'm still feeling the effects of COVID. Like that's not Rob's fault. He, he went in there thinking he's fighting the best version of Cody. He didn't go in there thinking like, Oh, I'm fighting 50% Cody Garbrandt. And I, I give Rafa a hundred percent credit for the performance he put on. And I'm not, blame, I'm not trying to say Cody is coming out with excuses, but if for anybody that's giving him excuses, they should stop, you know, they should stop, but moving on for the, the fight night when the co-main event, you know, Carlo Esparza, she dominated this young lady. Unfortunately, I'm not really familiar with this young lady because they didn't start really giving her any name recognition until last night. Um, well, Saturday night, excuse me. So uh, Carlo Esparza is next for, for Thug Rose. Point blank period. Good job for finishing this young lady. But it's Thug Rose versus Carlo Esparza too now. Did you guys see that? Well, oh, they, did they already announce it? No, no, but you know that's the right fight. That's the fight, the right fight to make. Oh no, like I agree with you. I think that uh, you you had called it a couple weeks ago, saying that Carla Esparza was the one. But after seeing that performance, like I was just like, oh, okay, like she's like really the one to go. So it's like I'm not mad at that matchup. I think it could be interesting. Um, I I personally still think she's gonna lose. You know what I mean? And there's nothing against like you know Carla Esparza, but I just think that that fight is going to be a showcase fight for um for thug rose you know what i mean because i just think they're stylistically i just think she can you know put it on her in comparison to their first fight years ago right like i i didn't have a chance to um i didn't catch that fight last night but um i can say this based off like previous conversations we had and even taken from what you guys have said and seeing some highlights um i i do believe that carla esparza would be the best match for rose going forward I mean, it. I, I'll put it like this. I, I will say, because Sparza was the one that beat, she beat Rose the last time. So, yeah, it's granted there's things change with, with, with seasons and fighters get better and they sharpen up their skill set. So I'm not going, I'm not going to jump out the window and just say that Rose will be able to beat, beat her now just easily. Definitely when they fought for the belt last time and uh, Rose lost. So, but I, I do think that would be a good matchup to see. I definitely can say that. And I, I'll definitely have to check out the girl that uh, Sparza fought, being that now that they're trying to push her, especially. So, yeah. And other MMA news as well, listeners. And since we're on the topic of women, Bellator on the other side of the MMA world, they also had an event this uh, past weekend. And Chris Cyborg, she knocks out a girl she already beat. So we're going to move past that. And uh, <laughs> Valerie Lareda, who Bellator has been 
putting the machine behind her, despite the fact that she's three and oh, now she's three and one because she just lost. She's lost some um some fandom, let me say that much. Because over the weekend she lost to a uh, fairly unknown young lady, and no disrespect to the unlady, but she's just unknown. She was she was brought in, excuse me, she was brought in to do the job. And when she didn't do the job, a lot of people are now criticizing Valerie Lareda. They, there was a, a post that came out where her coach was like, you know, chewing her out in the corner, telling her to cut out the flashy nonsense and get back to fighting smart. So my thought is Valerie Lareda, she's a beautiful woman, right? A lot of people gravitate towards her because they're attracted to her. And if you go on her social media, it's, more of her being like model versus her being a fighter and not discredit, not trying to discredit her work ethic or anything like that, because she, she probably is working really hard in the gym for upcoming fights or not, but she's getting this big push because of her looks, right? It's kind of like Paige Van Zandt over in the UFC. So when she's fighting these people who are brought in to lay down and stare at the lights for her and she's not beating these people, you're going to have fans turn on her because they're going to be like, oh, she's a hype job or she had bandwagon and the train is now crashed. Da, 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 da. Now, I don't think the loss was because she just lost a decision. Um, so the loss is not like bad, you know, it wasn't like she was beat to a bloody pulp. She just got out grappled. But what I will say is, you know, when the machine is behind you, you have to win. Kind of like what I was saying with Jorge Masvidal. Him being street Jesus, you know, thug this, thug that, blah, blah, blah. That's cool and all, but you got to win. And when you're not winning, people stop believing in the machine. So what what do you guys think about Valerie losing to, um, I think her name was Hannah Guy. So why, how do you guys feel about that? Well, my thing about the the whole situation with Valerie is that, like you said, like uh, it seems that a lot of her, you know, social media following, I guess, is like that's what we're speaking of. Like, know her, you know, for her looks and whatnot. It works because, like, you know, she's an MMA fighter that also, you know, is attractive. It's like, okay, cool. But those two things work in tandem. You know what I mean? Like, so if one of those things kind of go to the wayside then it's like, okay, well, then you either going to still have people there for this one thing or they're not going to be. But it's like, if they if they like her for her looks, a loss isn't going to hurt anything. I would like to say that she's training to not just be, you know, some model on Instagram, you know what I mean? She's clearly competing with people. And I think, you know, for a loss, it's not like, you know, she took the worst loss of her life, you know what I mean? Just go back to the drawing board and come back. Maybe she might, you know, be, you know, actually take out the next person with another TKO. It's possible. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think, I, I think to me, it really boils down to like, granted, like her social media following does kind of stem from that to some extent in terms of like, when I, when I just see people, like when you look at the comments and you look at some of the people that share her content, a lot of times it's based off like the, the, the package, right? But I do, I do believe this at the end of the day, just like Lau said, it all comes down to winning when it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The looks sometimes don't even matter when it, when you're winning, you win. And when you win and you dominate, it's no question of, do you deserve to go to the next level? 
I think the machine pushing behind her knows if we can get her to be, if, if she can continue to win and we can get her to a title space or we can make her part of the face of the sport, and it's a huge benefit to Bellator as well as to her. What I'll say is I think Valerie needs to just go back to the drawing board. I mean, I follow her as well. And even she was talking about um, prior to the fight, how she's been, I think she's been making weight since she was like eight or something like that. She's only 22. So she still has a lot of upside to her in terms of like just those feats that we see where in, in the long term of how sometimes the champion Someone who becomes a champion has the the issues of trying to, I guess, build their skill set to some extent to actually be a dominating fighter. I do think her, I think taking a loss and seeing where her, her challenges are in terms of what can actually beat her, it will be more beneficial if she decides to actually not do the flashy stuff and just hone in on the skill set of, listen, I'm not, this girl's a better grappler than me. I'm a better striker than her. What we need, what I need to do is work on my grappling, even if like, and I, I don't even like using Francis in this term, but even when we saw with Francis, when he fought Stipe, he, we knew he wasn't a good, for, he, we knew he wasn't a good grappler, but we also understood he went back to the drawing board and said, Hey, what do I need to do to perfect my game to be at a championship level or to be at the next level at the end of the day? So especially when the machine is behind you. So like it would be the same. It would be like saying, "Well, I don't know who this girl she fought is." So I can't. I don't want to compare her to Dennis Seaver, right? Right. But it, it's it's one of those things where it, imagine if Connor had lost to Dennis Seaver, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, because <laughs> like, he lo- he won that fight and then would go off to fight for a championship. So like, it's like one of those things when when the machine is behind you and they recognize, hey, as long as this person, if you can win, if, as long as you can win. We'll do. We'll try to make sure we can connect the dots, and just to make sure we can get you to the next level. So it's it's really on her at the end of the day. In so many words, it's really on her if she if she sits back, hones in on her skills, don't allow not allowing herself to get too. Um, and it might sound unfavorable, but kind of step away from like the the model side of things, and just really lock in on like, hey, I'm. The only time you're seeing pictures of me in the gym. Granted, she does post stuff like that, but right. it it's just needing just locking in on just getting working on the skills. Like if your corner is yelling at you, telling you to cut off like just the extras, then there that that says something. So I'm quite sure she got chewed out by our coach though. Like the way I see it is, I'm not sure what her amateur record looks like, but I mean, she only has like three or four fights, right? Like she's three and one yeah. right now. Yeah, she's three and one. Yeah. So, so me and Laura were talking about this before. Like she's not really, she doesn't really have like the most experience as far as I'm know, as far as I know, in like you know the cage. So I mean, she has time to grow. You know, like I'm not sure exactly as to what amount of training she she has or whatever the case is, but like. If she, you know, wants to take it seriously, then yeah, she just needs to go and retool it a little bit. You know, it's not like she has some serious fundamental flaw. Like, you know, she lost a decision. Shit happens. You know, just get back in there. Yeah, at least uh, what I will say is, sim- though we kind of breezed over the Chris Cyborg fight, I did watch that fight, and at okay. least her corner wasn't like the. Uh, I, I think it was. I forget. I think it was Lena Smith was uh, Chris Cyborg's opponent. At some point in that fight, her corner was telling her, you, you're winning the fight. And Chris Cyborg's corner was like, stop lying to her. 
she's losing. <laughs> so like, as long as she doesn't have a corner that's trying to, granted, I, I get boosting the confidence of a fighter, but as long as her corner is not lying to her and being honest in the ring and outside of the ring when it's during practice on the mats, being now at three and one, I think she has a better shot of taking that honesty, consuming it, and going back into the gym and building her skill set. Like, because like, like Nigel said, she's still early on in her career at the end of the day. So. I was just going to say, honestly, a loss might do her wonders, really, because usually fighters once they get a first loss, they kind of understand like, okay, this is what I really need to do. Look at Kamaru Usman. When he got choked out by that guy, he said it himself. That kind of like, he knew like, I never want to lose again. So he did everything he could possibly do to never lose again. And now he's pound for pound, number one fighter in the world. So, you know, the road ahead for her could be high. And, you know, at least she doesn't have Joshua Fabia in her corner. And it turns (laughs) out neither does Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez... They, we have, um, there's been reports that have came out that said that Diego Sanchez and Joshua Fabia have now ended their training career and Diego Sanchez sees the sunlight. He can start doing, yes, cartwheels again. Like, you know, life isn't, isn't bad for him anymore. It's about to be summertime and Diego Sanchez is about to be outside. (laughs) (laughs) He said hot boy summer. (laughs) It's like, I hit. I hit up Fabian in September. So, oh, Jesus. Damn. Oh, my God. <laughs> nah, I mean, I, I, I will say this. I mean, we've been covering this uh, Diego Sanchez and Fabia thing for a while now. Probably since since last year, I do believe, or early this year. I think it was since last year, possibly. So, um, I, I think with all the McDojo stuff that we've said about Fabio, I think this is the perfect thing for Diego Sanchez. I'm happy that he's decided to do this, especially now that um, he's broken ties with, he's separated himself from the UFC. Hopefully he, hopefully now, like Nigel said, he can do these just cartwheels and actually go back into the ring and start being like a fighter with promise. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think Diego still needs to take some time, you know, get, get with, if he does want to continue his MMA career, or any form of combat, whether it's boxing, et cetera, et cetera. He needs to get with a, uh, a good camp, a camp that's going to make him healthy again, yeah. a camp that's that's going to support him in his training. Um, it's a good thing he's removed himself from this guy who apparently I read on uh, an article from MMA, MMA Junkie, shouts out to them, where Josh Fabia had the, um, what's the thing where you can have an outside party, get access to your bank accounts and- oh. It's, what is it? Mm-hmm. it it's something. What is it, Spence? Being our financial guru, I, I know it. <laughs> you know, know what, what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's, it's like um, it's like rights or something like that. I don't know. I know exactly. Anybody digging in your bank account that's not you is a bad thing if you don't trust that person. Right, but he he Diego gave him the legal right to do it. I yeah, forgot the right. I forgot the right terminology. Kind of like a guardian or something to that. Yeah, uh, listeners and. Uh, you know, people in the comments, please let us know the proper term for that. Because right now I can't think of it. Neither can my amigos. But uh, yeah, I just think like when I read that, I was kind of like, whoa, like this guy, he was really, really like in Diego's mind, like for for that to happen. So not only he was a coach, he was a little more personal than a coach. And I feel like that the guy was a scam artist, right? Everybody in the world knew whatever him and Diego's relationship was, they 
Diego couldn't see past that. You know, it was kind of like whatever he seen from Fabia, he was kind of like, man, I'm going to give this guy what he needs. And Fabia was like, what I need is money. So <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Was he his power of attorney? There we go. Boom. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's right. crazy, man. That's a that's extreme. <laughs> like it's crazy I, stuff. I know exactly for someone to be and for listeners who don't know this, right? Like the power of for someone to be your power of attorney is a huge thing. This is someone you're giving your rights to in terms of if something happens to me this person has the right to make certain decisions for me. If let's say, God forbid, Diego Sanchez had gotten hurt, sick, couldn't speak for himself. Like Josh Fabia being his power of attorney means that he can go and make the financial decisions. He's responsible for anything that's evolved in Diego Sanchez's life, at least when it comes to his bank account. Like that is a, that's a huge, that's things that you only give like, you give to like your your family when you're like at when you're about to die like when you're yeah. at i'll put it like this for people that for a better understanding for people when people are getting when people get older and let's say you have kids you may give your kids the power you may allow your child to be the power of attorney for you in the case that hey i'm up in age if i was to have a stroke heart attack or i'm just not able to be in my right mind for whatever reason sickness health sickness or poor health that is the right you give a power of attorney you just don't give it to your trainer like yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's sick apparently he was more than just a trainer for that to happen so i i mean there's multiple conspiracy theories out there about the guy and we could go on for another 10 20 minutes but there's more important things to mention and uh shout out to diego sanchez for finally separating <laughs> yourself <laughs> oh my god the breakups yeah. we love to see man yeah so speaking of uh well no actually oh it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> I, told, I told you he'd be doing that listen man listen man you saw a three and you aimed for the middle one and Jesus. The oh, y'all, y'all yeah. got me y'all got me okay yeah well, I was thinking about, uh, you know, what might happen if the Clippers that don't make it far in the um, playoffs, if they uh, we might have a breakup between Kawhi and the Clippers, if they don't make it far in the playoffs and everything going on with the playing tourney. So listeners, once again, I ended up being wrong with who I chose to, to be in the playoff. The Warriors didn't make it. They mm. lost to the Laker, Lakers. Mm. With LeBron with one eye. Well, that's the the the, the storyline. That's on, the man. that's the storyline they're pushing. He had one eye. LeBron he, shot a LeBron shot from like thirty something feet and was like looked at Steph Curry and said, "My eye, I can't see." Come on, yeah, yo, I, yeah. I saw three rims and aimed for the middle one. This is not Space Jam, bro. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, hey, maybe he's he thinks he's in Space Jam because he's still, just, in, yeah. still in still in character, right? Yeah, still, you know, he thinks the green screen is there and all that. But what, like, the Warriors, they lost. Not only they lost to the Lakers, they lost to the freaking Grizzlies, right? Now, shouts out to John Morant, baller, 100%. (laughs) 100% baller. But, damn, lost to the Grizzlies. You know what I mean? So, like, Warriors are out, and that's okay. The Wizards made it. I'm happy, right? (laughs) So I think the Wizards could compete with the 76ers. 
So I'm I'm pulling for the Wizards. But anyway, so the playoffs did start Saturday night. The biggest story coming out out of it is the Clippers losing to the Mavericks in game one, right? The Nets, they did their thing. They beat the Celtics. But the Clippers losing to the Mavericks is kind of a little alarming because it's kind of like, damn, you lost at home and you didn't lose by one or two points. You lost by a margin. So because of that, now people are kind of questioning the Clippers again. Oh, are they going to choke again? Of course, people who don't like the Clippers or LeBron diehards, they're going to be slamming Kawhi, slamming the Clippers. So that's the biggest story. Shannon Sharp already came out. Oh, they're 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 flippers, blah, 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 big L, da, da, da. So really, how do you guys feel about the Clippers losing? And just for the sake of time, do you have a quick NBA Finals prediction before we move on to the next hot, hot, hot topic? I think my prediction for the Finals is uh, I'm going to go hmm. – let's go with the Suns versus the Sixers. Wow. Okay. Go. What about you, Spence? Uh, I, you guys know I don't – I don't keep up with the NBA as much, but um. Okay, well, who would you like? Suns versus the Nets. My bad. Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking Brooklyn. Also, I'm like, I'm thinking Brooklyn. I'm, I'm not. I I, I'll just say I'll I'll go with the Suns in Brooklyn. I mean, it would be interesting seeing the Brooklyn versus uh, Lakers, but I, I don't think the Lakers are going to get that far. So. Yeah, they're not like, that's just, <laughs> no, they're, they're not. And here's, here's why I say that because like LeBron, LeBron is always going to be LeBron, but LeBron looks like 80% LeBron, you know what I mean? Right now at the moment, you know what I mean? Like he, he looked like slightly slow, you know what I mean? And I, I think with, with him, what do you disagree law? No, no, no. I, 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 don't oh, God. I heard the heavy breathing. I was just like, you know, mm-hmm. just checking, but, I don't know. Like it's when I see him play, I'm just like, it, you need him to be 100% in order to get to the finals right now in his, in his uh, conference, in my opinion. I agree, man. The, the Lakers have been struggling. Um, I know ESPN and Disney, they want the Lakers to make it. They're praying for it. Yeah. They're praying for Lakers and that's finals, but I mean, go ahead, my bad. I, th- I think the, I would like to see the Suns make it that far. Um, I also would like to see the Suns knock the Lakers out the playoffs. I, I, I'm tired of a, I'm just tired of the LeBron narrative and the, all. I'm just tired of it. I mean, you know the. I, I will say this. You know LeBron. They're they're treating. They're always going to do what's best for LeBron, right? Right. Because I'm not sure if you guys heard, but um, the, the NBA did come to him about because uh, I think he had did. There was a there were some pictures that were floating around with him, Drake, Michael B. Jordan, Damon Idris, and he was just like uh, because he was pretty much out somewhere. He pretty much uh, violated protocol. Right, be real, of, right? Yeah, but then they did say they said, "Well, we're not going to find him." And I think I saw a meme where he was like, "Yeah, everybody was vaccinated, Drake, all yeah, of them yeah." Vaccinated. Is he really getting punished? No, like, let's be real. On. Let's Come let's on, be real. Now. No, he he he's there's a reason why he's the face of the NBA still. So yeah, like he's he hasn't gotten to that point where they're just like, yo, we don't care about you at all. Like he's still LeBron at the end of the day. Like, and yeah. I'll I'll say this, 
I don't want to say too many bad things about LeBron because I don't want him to pop up 15 years from now with a lot to say to me about me. Similar to yeah. what similar to what many people may have been seeing from the past week uh, with Kwame Brown, where <laughs> he's he's kept his silence for 20 years and he's finally decided to break his silence in what he's what he gives the term giving out mama's cooking. So, <laughs> mama's recipe. Mama's. <laughs> yeah. He, so shouts out to Kwame Brown. Um, so for the listeners who are not kind of familiar, just a quick recap. So Matt Barnes and uh, Steve Jackson, they have this podcast called All the Smoke. I think it's through Showtime. But anyway, they had like Gilbert Arenas and they recently was kind of like clowning Kwame Brown, basically saying he was a scrub, he was a bust in the NBA, not all that good. And But this wasn't the first time that Kwame was getting trashed on by like people from sport from sports media. About 20 years worth of it. Yeah, way back then, Stephen A was trashing on him. And then now that it was kind of like some of a hot topic, now you got people who never played sports at a professional level, like Charlemagne, the God, and DJ Envy at the Breakfast Club making their comments. So, you know, the the straw that broke the camel's back was what happened recently. And Kwame is now coming out defending (laughs) himself. And he's kind of like, letting it all out he's he's you know some people think he's exposing people etc cetera, etc cetera. he brought up the the situation with charlemagne and his his uh con- controversial case and he 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 was telling stories about how gilbert and steve jackson and matt barnes how they're not really they're not tough and and whether whether <laughs> i mean Gil- the the consensus though is a lot of people are siding with kwame brown on this and a lot of people are happy that he's t- uh, he's kind of coming out and all that. And so far as like the personal stuff, I don't have no say in the matter because obviously I, I wasn't in those rooms. Right. I don't know these people personally. Right. So I can't be like, oh, Kwame's telling the truth about that. But what I will say from a person on the outside that is a fan of basketball is like, hey, I kind of I agree with Kwame standing up and trying to defend himself from 20 years of slander. You know what I mean? I feel like that why should he why should he sit there and be the 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 was it the punching butt or, or the punching bag? Let's just say that of all these jokes when you know he's done something that the majority of people in America, let alone the world, can't do, which is play in the NBA for over a decade, right? And not only that, at 18 years old, be able to buy his mother a nice home, be able to make programs for less fortunate kids, you know, to, yeah, he may not be remembered as Michael Jordan, but he's going to, but at least he'll be remembered within his community and within his family. This guy made millions and apparently he, he managed his millions well because he's not hurt for money, you know, according to him or whatever. So I feel like I support the fact that he's standing up for himself. Yeah. His NBA career might've not been the greatest, but far as like just a human being level, I don't think that he's wrong for defending himself. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree there where it's like, he, 
I, I'm happy that he's finally standing up for himself. Like he's been quiet for so many years. I think the biggest the the biggest issue I think was I mean, he was drafted by Michael Jordan. And I think yeah. because of that, that puts so much pressure on him. Yeah. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, some players are not stars. Some players are role players. And I think when you get drafted by at who's arguably the greatest player to ever play the game, it puts a, a certain look, it puts a certain smudge on, like, you, there's a certain expectation, I'll say. The fact that he didn't live up to that expectation it kind of it kind of hurt him to some extent, but it I think the amount of slander that's happened over the years, even from from the Breakfast Club to Gilbert Arenas to Stephen A. Smith, even I, even Roy Hibbert, he uh, I was watching something just the other day where he was talking about Roy Hibbert, where he's like, "Yo, X, Y, and Z, like." I'll meet up with you. We can really fight, whatever the case may be. Like you, all this other, long story short, I don't want to go on a tangent, but in so many words, he's just expressed his frustrations from Skip Bayless to Stephen A. Smith to Roy Hibbert to even, even Gilbert Arenas actually cop some pleas, honestly. Because, I mean, at, at the end of the day, this it's not like he's like, it's not like he's a, 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 a has-been that gained 70 or 80 pounds. Like right. he's, He's still someone that I think he was playing in the big three before also, I believe, or I think, I believe he was playing in the big three. So I I, I don't know if he, if he did or not, but yeah, I I was talking to a friend and they said something about, um, they weren't sure if he'd be able to be invited back to the big big three because of all of this controversy. He's created a platform for himself. Um, my only question is how, how will this work for him moving forward? Because there's own, we, we live in the internet age at the end of the day and you come it comes and goes so you can have this hot streak get two hundred thousand followers on your youtube page of you slandering people but then after like two or three weeks of that it's going to be like okay what's next so right i agree with that yeah i'm hoping that um i'm hoping that him and his mama's cooking is like it, he there's maybe he's got platters he's got these platters for now and then he's gonna build a restaurant because he's he's giving out dishes i will say that he's giving out dishes and people are scared to take the plate I will yeah that. yeah no it, people in the media they're not really i mean besides matt Barnes, who apparently not only kwame said this but other people you know plays tough guy in front of the screen you know He's like the only one that's kind of like, hey, yeah, I'll fight you, blah, blah, blah. But everybody else, they, they're kind of like trying to be, I'm sorry. Or if they're not sorry, they're trying to like avoid responding. Yeah. Yeah. Gilbert Arena saw him break someone's jaw before. Well, here's yeah. the thing, right? So like it, the thing is that we don't know Kwame Brown as a person, right? So we can't right. judge him off of that. What we can say is that, you know, in his career, he performed this way, he performed that way. And it's like, we have all right to say that because that's what's put in front of us. However, when somebody's taken that for like 20 solid years and it's just like being put in his face, he has the right to come back and say as to whatever he's going to say. You know what I mean? Like you can't just, everybody has their limit and you can't just expect somebody just to take something for so long without saying it up. It's like, it gets to a point where it's like, why are you even bringing my name up to prove your point? You know what I mean? I'm sure you right, can find right. another example or somebody else, but it's like, y'all just keep on saying my name. So it's like, I'm going to really, you know, put y'all on blast because y'all keep on doing this. So I don't blame him. You know what I mean? This isn't like the first time it's happened. And it 
I mean, it, it just so happened that it happened to be on them, but I mean, it is what it is. Maybe they, you know, you just, you can't expect things and not expect some type of repercussion. Like we talk our shit, but we do respect the fighters. You know what I mean? At least we try to, or I should say the people we talk about athletes in particular. Yeah. I, Absolutely. I mean, my bad, my bad. I cut you off, bro. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I, I just totally agree with that where it's, you, we respect, you still have to have some respect. And it's to me, I just think of it like this. If you, you go into your workspace and while you're in your workspace, you're doing a great job. You may not be the best person. You may not be the best person at what you do in your, in your field or whatever, but then someone goes around and says, Oh, you know, they, they're not this, that, and a third. And they're like still talking about your performance 20 years later. It's like, yo, it's like, fam, is there a personal issue? Like, I, I, to be honest with you, I think this, I think what Kwame Brown is doing, I think we'll start to see, we may end up seeing a lot more of this from other, other, other athletes. Like, I, I'm very, I, honestly, I'd be interested in seeing Smush Parker have some words, words also, because we, a lot of people had a lot of bad words about him for like years as well. So I, I think that I'm not opposed for athletes to responding to, media members or people who do like podcasting and stuff like that kind of like us um because respond like to us. yeah respond to us but like i think that if we're bold enough media members etc cetera, etc cetera, is bold enough to come out and say a comment that's not respectful or favorable then we should also be able to you know to receive the backlash you know what i mean absolutely and but here's the thing, though, about it. I feel like as media members, podcasters, radio personalities, they should say what's in their mind. And I feel like they should get off what they feel like on their chest. There's a way to be professional, but the people shouldn't sugarcoat shit neither. Now, I'm not saying you should bash Kwame Brown for 20 years. No, absolutely not. I'm not saying that because that's wrong. But... <laughs> But if the topic comes up and he happens to be in the topic of the conversation, then you could talk about, be real about his performance in the NBA. But to like bash him and drag him for 20 years, that's the fucked up thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like Oscar De La Hoya. I think he's a, I don't think he's a, he's a great represent, representation of boxing right now. But 10 years from now, when we're still doing this podcast, I'm not going to be stuck on that. There's some <laughs> things that there's, there's some things that I'm talking, I was talking about when we first started a podcast that I'm not dragging all the way here. Like, I just feel like that it, there's sometimes we're like, all right, we got the point. When are you going to move on? So for, so I don't think people should hold their tongue, but you know, if you are going to say something, you should expect for that person to say something back. It, it is what it is. That's the nature of the game. It's kind of like that old cliche saying, if it's if you can't handle the heat, then get out the kitchen type of shit. Whatever you're willing to say on air, you should be able to, You sh it should be yourself saying it, not you're saying it just for, granted, it get, some things get certain amount of attention than other opinions, but you also have to have the belief system of, hey, I may run into this person in real life. And that's the biggest thing. And also, like you said, if you're still talking about something for 50 episodes, 57 episodes, right? Like, I'm not a big fan of certain artists. And like, I may mention it from time to time, but it's not like I'm coming in here every week 
to bash the same artist, yeah. right? Because at that point, it becomes like, at that point, someone from the outside looks at it as a personal thing, right? And then it becomes like, okay, like, even like with his beef with Stephen A. Smith, like, yo, you've been saying, you've literally been having my name in your mouth for the, pretty much since I've been in the league and I didn't perform to what the expectations were. So at some point it does, it becomes more personal. It's like, do you have a grudge against me? And I think that's a thing that people have to understand. And when it's all said and done, when you have these opinions about athletes and if they're good or not, we always have to remember, we are judging athletes, whether they're horrible, right? They're at the highest level, right? Even someone like, people used to clown Eric Snow, for instance, right? He was at, at the highest level He in the NBA, people said he wasn't that great. Some people would say he wasn't as great as what they thought he could be. But when he was at the collegiate level, he was like a dominating player. So like, and we all know he can go anywhere. These, these Kwame Brown could have gone to any other league that wasn't the NBA and probably been a force to be reckoned with, right? Yeah. So people have to also respect that. Like, it, right. we can say anything about any fighter, any basketball player, whoever, they could be a bust, but at the same time, they can, they, they still, there's a separation, because we talked about this before we started recording, there's a separation in terms of capability from an athlete when they're at, at certain levels. A uh, college wrestler against an Olympic wrestler, two different things. High school versus college, two different things. So when you're, it, it I don't want to just keep repeating myself. I don't want to repeat myself, but like, yeah, like I think at the end of the day, you just have to be mindful that these are people that play at the all-star level that more than likely the people that give that opinion cannot do. And yeah. you have to be mindful of that. Like if you have an opinion, cool. But if you keep harping on something, that person is going to take it personally. Yeah, you know, it, it is... That's how it goes, man. But for one more thing about basketball before we move on for the listeners, there's this thing called Overtime. I don't know if they're a company, whatever, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So shouts out to Overtime. So they're like building 103, what? 103,000 103. square, square feet facility um, in Atlanta for, you know, 16 through 18 year olds, athletes who are trying to get to the professional level of basketball. So Smith's kind of brought this topic up to me. Um, Well, actually to all of us, really. So uh, Spence, let the listeners know really briefly about, you know, why this is a cool thing, but at the same time, why it should be kind of highlighted. Yeah. um, So it's it's actually going to be an Atlantic station within Atlanta. Um, It's, I think this is a pretty dope thing that they're doing. They're building this facility so that 16 to 18 year olds, just like Lau was saying, that they'll be able to actually train to get the the prof- the help they need to curate their their skill sets to go to the professional level. And in top on top of that, what we've noticed over the past couple of years, especially with the Ball Brothers, right, where we saw where Lamelo was taken out of high school to go play overseas so he could start making some money, and we've seen other players leave high school. To go instead of going to college, they decided to go to the D League or overseas to make money, and so they can profit from the skill sets while still building on them. Um, overtime, what overtime is doing is instead of those instead of those players are sixteen and eighteen that are prefer doing that, they're building this facility where they'll be paid at least a, a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars a year, 
and they'll be giving like healthcare and disability insurance as well. So it, it pretty much means that if something happens, a 16, pretty much a 16 year old that could be maybe one of the best players in the country, instead of him going to play at a university where they're not getting paid, he can decide to go say, hey, I'm gonna go to overtime where we have people like Trey Young and Killer Mike are actually, and other celebrities are actually investing into this. So you're getting the someone like Trey Young, who's an actual athlete in the NBA, who's going to help curate those skill sets so they can actually play, so they can get the professional help they need. Now, the I, I personally would say it's a downside, but to some they may find it is that once these players decide to go into this um, this facility to try to go through this training, they forfeit their rights to high school and college basketball. But that's common when pretty much once you get an agent. It's kind of like not an agent, but it's after once you try to get an agent to play in the league, you've kind of already said like, hey, I can't go. You can't go back. So it's one of those things. I think this is going to be something beautiful because I think a lot of player you have a lot of kids that are in high school with a lot of talent that just don't have the resources. So they may make the they may make the the decisions that could forfeit their career but it may be something involving outside of the court. So I think this is a great opportunity for athletes, um, especially these kids. I think it's going to bring a lot more attention to um, the, the skilled players within Atlanta, as well as outside of Atlanta that will be coming here. So, Yeah, I think um, especially for that part, the last part where if you don't have the resources for college and whatnot, then this is great for that. You know what I mean? I think it could be a, really good thing for somebody who has all the talent but just doesn't have the opportunity you know what i mean so shout out to them for that yeah especially and then and on top of it it's like we know i've known players that were that had the skill set but even once you go to college it's not as it these players don't have a chance to have a job right so if you don't have a job and let's say you may not have the the support that you need financially from your family or whatever it's like this isn't because I know people that have tried to go make those transitions and they've said it's not as easy as people would think when you don't have the proper support, especially when it comes to finances, because your time, the majority of your time is dedicated to playing the game and practicing to get better at the game. So I think paying a 16 year old eight to 18 year old a hundred K. So my biggest thing is I just hope they give them like financial advisors because to give a 16 year old kid a hundred thousand dollars minimum, it's a lot. Yeah. And like, I mean, you'll have kid, you, you can have a kid feeling like he's big meech pretty much with a hundred K. Like, this is where like, you step in Spence. Exactly. <laughs> they should email you specifically. Yeah, exactly. I could be a, I could be a financial advisor, let you know how, how we can make things work. And I'm trust me, I'm not like these other guys. I'm not going to skim off of you. I, we create a percentage of fee and we go from there. He's not going to skim off of you. He will scam off. You. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't do scams here man no pp loan no ppp loans here oh man. yeah none of that yeah I, 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 that's crazy that motherfuckers yeah. were doing that yeah you saw um the guy from um what was that group uh pretty ricky i think he just got sentenced all right about that yeah. what's, what's oh, going so, on with that so he was fucking he was doing that shit yeah i think he had gotten like over a million dollars Damn, motherfucker was balling off loans. Yeah, like they, <laughs> they said, and I think they said he spent the money on like 
uh, some Ferrari. I think a Ferrari. Bro, shout out. That's what you're supposed to do when you're scamming, man. Buy the flyest <laughs> shit. Come on. Why would you scam and get some cheap shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're scam- buy you're the to- shit. Buy the shit you can't pay back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, and that's that, that's the whole thing to me, which I think is crazy, is that people are taking people don't. I think people are, the money's so accessible, right? Because people have scams to get the money from what I've seen. And can you guys see me? I can't. Not right now. I just see your face. It looks like you're in like, utter disgust. Yeah, like you're yeah. in a trance. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Well, you know what I do know what's going on? I know that Mac Homie dropped a project recently and people like it a lot. Yeah, the this project has been getting a lot of love this this past week and I should say because it just dropped this past weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of people are are falling in love with it. You have people like Mal saying it's one of the best albums he's he's ever heard. A lot of people on Twitter, the new narrative is, hey, this album's better than J. Cole's album, et cetera, et cetera. This is album of the year. And I just think, like, I listened to the album. I listened to it twice. I'm on my third listen right now. I enjoy the album. I think the album is a good album or project, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think it, the real narrative is West Side Gun knows how to, he knows how to put an album together. He's very talented in that. I mean, you could question his rapping and go, he's the worst in Griselda or he's not that. You know, you, you could do yeah. all that. You know, we're fans of West Side Gun's music anyway, but we know the limitations as well. But what I will say he always excels at is putting shit together. And the motherfucker knows how to, he has a great ear for production too. So I, I think this album is a good album. I think it's top 10. To say he's better than the offseason, my opinion is no. I think the offseason is, is a lot more impactful than what people are, are trying to give it credit for. I think J. Cole is a better rapper than Matt Comey. And I say Matt Comey is a screw up because he's not. I think Matt Comey proved, yo, the, the motherfucker can rap pretty good too. It's just, I just think J. Cole is just a tier above him. You know what I mean? And I think that. Because Matt Comey just dropped Pray for Haiti and a lot of people are, as Spence said it, I'm going to take one of his little phrase, prison, prison of the moment, you know, prisoners of the moment. I feel like, hey, that should not outshine a great album in the off season. So off season is still a better album for me, but I think Pray for Haiti is a damn good project. And West Side Gun, he did it again. Yeah. Yeah. I- I was well, shouts out to Matt Kami, but what's that gun curated it? I mean, yeah, you know, when I was listening to it, I think a lot of people like kind of just want to hate on J. Cole, you know what I mean? Uh, for whatever reason, he seems to get some of this like hate online, like when he puts out projects and whatnot, or it seems like people don't want to give him the, the credit that he deserves sometimes. Um, me personally, that being said, I do think the offseason sounds better than Pray for Haiti, not because Pray for Haiti sounds bad. But I think that uh, just some of the songs just sound better made. That being said, uh, Pray for Haiti sounds pretty good to me. I listened to it again this morning prior to us um, recording. And um, I, I like it a lot. You can hear that his uh, lyricism's on point. You can hear that uh, the production's on point. Shouts out the conductor. You know what I mean? Like it was really um, a well produced album. I think there's a few, you know, instrumentals that I'm not really the biggest fan of, or, but they're usually like, 
the song just in general that I'm not the biggest fan of. But I think if anything else I can say about this project is that it's pretty solid and it is like definitely an album that should be listened to. Yeah, um, I, I I definitely can agree to all of that. Like, I, I do believe, like they were saying with the whole thing with like people being prisoners of the moment where people are comparing don't get me wrong this to me i think this is probably my favorite album from this week's of release the releases from this week right but i do believe that if you have someone like when, when you start comparing these two albums together and saying like this artist is better than this artist x y and z it kind of distorts like it you're kind of distorting like just the value of what the music really is exactly right? and it, to me i think when you I think those conversations really should be had closer to the end of the year when there's been a summation of all the projects that have came out over the past nine to 12 months. And that's when you can be like, Hey, this is a good project. This is a bad project. This is better. This is better, whatever. Because I think um, more often than not, it has something to do with like the aging of a project. But with all that to be said, um, I will say this Mac Homie project is one of my favorites. Uh, there are some others that came out this week that we will get into that I, I listened to as well, but it trumped it as well, no pun intended. So I think this was, um for most people that have never heard of Matt Kami, I think this was a great introduction. Westside Gun definitely did, he definitely showed his, his, his artistic ability in terms of cur- curating without like overpowering, being too overpowering, putting too much of his hand on it where the artist can't be free. Right. So... And then on top of it, like y'all said, like Conductor, I, to me, Conductor is probably one of my favorite producers, definitely from like within the past year because of like the the work that he did with uh, Westside Gun. So yeah. seeing what he's done now with this project, I think I think this is a setup for something that could be really great for Matt Kami, especially in terms of what the future of his career could be looking like, especially at with with people even having the nerve, not nerve, but people having the willingness to say, yo, this is better than what people are arguing to be the best album of the year. Man, I agree with you, Spence. I agree with you, Nigel. Um, this is a solid project. I think the fans, the listeners, they should definitely tune into this project. It's, it's good rap music. Um, like Spence said, great introduction to him, to the people who don't know of his music. He does have other projects and stuff like that, but I think this is like the biggest the breakout notable yeah breakout one for him um more on the producers shouts out to conductor williams because obviously he was like the highlight producer of this project um i want to also bring it back to Westside just a little bit shouts out to Westside for gaining these lesser known or unknown producers and really giving them a platform to shine and just goes to show that these, there are some really good producers outside of your Metro Boomins and your Tate Keith. Now, no knock on Metro Boomin and Tate Keith because they're fire producers as well, but it just goes to show, Hey, there's a space for unknown producers as well to shine on, on somebody with, with a name, you know, I feel like never stray away from, Oh, I gotta have the metros. I gotta have the Pierre Bourne. It's like, no, you can, you could get somebody who's not known who could still make fire production, kind of like Nigel. So, I feel like that. Thanks. Shouts out to Westside <laughs> Gun. Shouts out to Westside Gun for doing that, and uh, you know, Griselda, man. It, damn. Once yeah. again, 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of want to piggyback off of that because I think what Westside is doing now is is really bringing more light. Like you said, it's bringing more light to those unknown producers while still being able to stay within his sound. Yeah, because I, I think because we I think you had brought something up about this how um, the sound that just the Griselda sound I'll say overall is very impactful in terms of like a certain genre of hip hop now. Right. Yeah. And like that underground street music is kind of bouncing more towards the Griselda sound. You, you're starting to hear more rappers that are. Sauce Walker was doing it. Yeah. Sauce really? Walker. Yes. And, yeah. It, and it sounded good. Yeah. <laughs> I, and you know, something like now thinking about how Sauce Walker raps, I can see that working because it's, it's, it's a certain element that those type of beats create. And let's be honest. Like, I mean, I think conductor, I'm not going to say he's there yet, but he's, he, at the pace that he's going and the, the type of producers that Westside's picking, it's a strong bet that if these producers keep, keep moving forward with this type of sound and kind of spreading this out to other rappers, that are can probably make a more better sound, polished sound for themselves in terms of projects. These these type of producers would go into the categories of the Harry Freuds, the Alchemists, like, and that's not. And don't get me wrong, Alchemist is here. He's at right. the top, right? And then you have like the Harry the Fraud, who's been here for like the past ten years. But when you're hearing a sound like this, it's it's different than them, but at the same time, it's all within that bubble. And I think this is like I think this is a, a great beginning in terms of what the new sound of what hip hop will sound like going into this next decade, because I, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's just unmatched. It, I think this is like a sound that's unmatched. Definitely, when you have producers that are coming up with like that boom bop sound without being too too nostalgic. Well, right. I, I, th- right. I think it's interesting, you know what I mean? Because you have like. You know, rappers like Benny Benny the Butcher and 38 Special who are, you know, rapping on, you know, beats like that. And they're putting out projects as well. And I think that, you know, it's a topic that we keep on coming back into within our group chats as to what the mainstream sound of rap sounds like and what this underground sound of rap sounds like. Because they're two totally separate lanes. But I mean, did anybody get to listen to the Benny the Butcher project that came out? Yeah, I'll listen to What's the name of trust the sopranos so i'll listen to it and here's my opinion of it so i'm i think it's not my favorite project from these two artists they they did a collaboration project before called stabbed and shot i think people should listen to that i think that one's a bit more dope i know the song title's a little (laughs) (laughs) it's a crazy title (laughs) yeah but i mean the album title but what i will say is like the production was dope on here but benny also wasn't on this project as much neither he was probably on like three songs um i feel like this is probably like a little showcase for 38 special to kind of like highlight his folks under his because i didn't know but he has like a he has his own little label with like shade noir and all that stuff is on there so i'm not saying this project's whack or nothing like that but it just i think they've had a better project prior to this yeah, um, I I definitely agree. Um, I listened to it. I wasn't the biggest fan of the project, to be honest. Uh, especially after listening to pray for praying for Haiti, it once I listened to pray for Haiti, I kind of just pushed it to the side for the most part. But at the same time, it is no slight to the artistry and the the rapping ability. 
because they still delivered. It right. just didn't hit the same. And I, and similar to like you said, I think what Benny and uh, 38 Special are trying to do, are, are, they're trying to push their other artists, right? Yeah. And I think to me personally, like you had Ricky Hyde on there, you had Shay Noir. To me, from listening to that project, the standout artist from that project was Shay Noir. I felt like she was probably the best artist on that project outside of Benny and some of the 38 Special as well. Excuse me. Um, I. Benny is gonna Benny's gonna be Benny at the end of the day. And we know he he raps every song like he just got in, like he just started rapping. Like he yeah. raps like he's still trying to get out the street or something. So like outside of that, like Shay Noir, um, she definitely she definitely stood out. Uh actually, people, if you want to, she actually is on a song with uh it's actually a song with Shay Noir, Relay, and Mike Sir Mikey Rocks and Giovanni that's out. Um so it's a dope song uh, by James Major that you guys should check out. She has a great verse on there as well. Um, but back to this project, we'll actually leave actually we'll leave um, in the comments caption or whatever you want to call it. We'll leave the name of the song for you guys to check out as well with her on there. But um, yeah, Shade Noir, she definitely was a breakout. She, not a breakout, but she definitely had the best performance on this project outside of Benny. So it was a cool project, but uh, I want to name of the song. Element, yeah. Guys, definitely check out Element because she definitely has a great verse on there, along with Sir Mikey Rocks and Relay and Giovanni as well. So, hey man, yeah. shouts out to Cypher Click, man. So but. before we move on, um, I had a question for y'all. Like, as to you know, like let's just say one out of five. Like, what would you give Matt Kami and the Thirty Eight Special Projects? Mm, one out of five, I would say. Just off two two or three listens on the Mad Comedy Project. As of right now, today, I would say I would give it four and a half, right? Four, four and a half. I'll say four and a half. I don't want to bounce. Now you got a four or five. That, yeah. Those yeah, are options. I'll, four. Right. I'll give it a four then. I'll give it a four. And shit, I don't want to give. You got to give it something. Damn, I guess I got to give it a three then for the 38 special. Uh, the 38 special track, the 38 special uh Benny the Butcher joint. Um just because it's I don't know. I man, yeah, I'm I'm gonna just leave it at that. I'll give it a three and then I'll give the the other project with Matt Kami a four. So I'm gonna give Matt Kami a four as well, since you know I I think point fives are kind of unnecessary. Right. Uh, I'm gonna give it a solid four is is a damn good project. The Benny the Butcher, no, I'm also give it a three out of five. And here's why. The rapping saves this project. The rapping is pretty good. If the rapping was not good, this would be like barely a two. <laughs> like maybe a one. But Jeez, the, that's kind of hard. I gotta listen to it. No, I, I, no, that's why I'm giving it a three. Because everybody that was rapping on it, they were rapping. Right. So they they were rapping. They were doing their thing on that. But just overall, I was just like, yeah, it's not. The B selection was, wasn't your favorite. That plays into it as well, yes. Yeah, like I, one thing I can say is like when it comes to like beat selection, it does play a huge part. I will say that. Um, and sometimes if the beat is not as great, but the rapping is great, it it definitely helps save a project in most cases. So I, I definitely agree to that. And sometimes you'll have artists that reinvent the sound They'll take an old sound and reinvent it, while other times they just come up with a new sound that may not be as uh, palatable. 
but yeah. I can say um, it the, actually YG speaking of joint projects actually like with YG and uh, Mozzie, they dropped a project called Community Service, where they the first song is called Gangsta and they speaking. It, it's, I heard that. Yeah, and I like it's, it. Act, yeah, it's they use the Wangsta beat. Yep. Yeah. And it's um to me, I, I think that's probably one of my favorite projects from this this week as well. Um, they they actually took a couple of beats from like the two thousands, and really really made it work. I'll say that to to say the least, they really made it work. Um, it's definitely similar to like Lau was saying. It's like turn up music, kind of going out. It, granted, they do talk about like street stuff X Y and Z, but it's I mean YG to me is one of my favorite artists out of the from the west coast person i think he's had a couple classic albums but that's a whole nother discussion but i know hey man hey shout out shout out to you though because i feel like west coast artists a lot of them don't get um a lot of love in this time period versus back in the day that's true so if you if you fuck with yg and you fuck with mozzy man shout out to you there's some west coast guys i like too like i like fucking jay worthy i like larry june you know yes shout, shout out to g perico so you know what i mean also shouts out to i i don't know if he's a west coast producer but i know he was worked with a lot of west coast artists cardo and you know shouts out to mm-hmm. him too so yeah. i i that not wrong with if you're fans of, of yg and mozzie man they not wrong oh, with that oh yeah I, listen i'm a I, I have no problem being a fan of them i just know it's, i think like we we're saying the reception from people when it comes to West Coast artists in comparison, definitely when Atlanta, well, the South, Atlanta, Detroit, and parts in New York are kind of running music still. Yeah. I think people are pulling a lot of, people kind of pull away from the West Coast music for the most part. Like to me, one of my favorite uh, new artists coming out of the West Coast is actually from, um, what's the what's the city that, um, that the, those two brothers are from? Um, Stockton. Um, oh, Nate, Nick and Nate. Yeah, yes. uh, okay. yeah. There's a rapper called EBK Jabo that uh, I, I'm a fan of his. He's he makes good music. Uh, Thizzler, Thizzler actually put. I think he signed a Thizzler, or Thizzler. Him and Thizzler work a, a lot together in terms of like putting his music out. But he puts out some good music also. I, it's a lot. There's a lot of good talent in the West Coast. I mean, hopefully we get a um, when it comes to West Coast music. Hopefully we get a Kendrick album coming soon. Yeah, hopefully so. You know, it's yeah. crazy. You're giving all this love to the West Coast and a lot of rappers right now. And for whatever reason, you just can't seem to give any love to Currency, even though like him and Alchemist uh, just re-released, uh, you know, cover it coupe on all streaming services. Well, I was talking about important things. Uh, see, there you go. <laughs> giving hate. <laughs> I just don't understand. Showing love, man. I, I So I immediately downloaded it. I think cover coupe is easily top five Currency's best bodies of work of all time and if you have top five cover coop is in there somewhere yep um, easily so i think it's kind of cool after man what it's been over a decade since that shit came out or a decade at least yeah something like that i remember uh you know when it first came out we were bumping it pretty heavy so like i um you know i'm not too mad at it coming out i you know i listened to it too of course it's one of my it is my favorite currency project so i wasn't mad at it at all yeah, Shout out it's, to currency. it's actually the yeah. only currency project I have on vinyl, really, for real. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, it's the, the only one I have on vinyl. So, yeah, shouts out to Alchemist and Currency. And uh, before we kind of like go to the end of the show, 
Alchemist kind of came out over the weekend saying, hey, you know, I have a a uh, a hidden album on YouTube under a fake page, under fake, you know, names for beats. And I think it's like him and Earl Sweatshirt. And yeah. he initially said this back in 2019. And no, still nobody has said, uh, found it. And so some people on Twitter, they're, you know, making their comments and some people on Reddit kind of going hard in it too. And it's still unknown. I think that's kind of dope because it's kind of like it's a, a hidden treasure of music. Will it be found? I don't know, man, but it's going to be very hard without any more clues from Al- Alchemist though. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. Like it's, I think it's dope that he released it that way. Um, but I think it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's practically impossible to find. Cause I did see something on Reddit, I believe where they say around 500 hours are, are uploaded to YouTube, like every five minutes or something like that. So to find an album that got put out in 2019, possibly earlier, essentially, like it could be 2018, 2017 when he put this out and it hasn't been discovered. It's, it's going to be pretty hard because I mean, I think many people that have listened to music, if you find something that sounds like, oh, this sounds like Earl Sweatshirt, you might be like, oh, someone's probably added like some one of their own verses. So you just skip past it. So, yeah. so the only person I've seen, the, the only other artist I've seen pull this off somewhat successfully was Kanye West when he dropped the, um, the Yeez, not the Yeezus album. I, Yand- I think it was, was it like Yandy Yand- or something like that. Yeah. Yandy. Yandy. Yeah. The Yandy yeah. album. Yeah. He dropped the Yandy album, Yandy album, uh, on YouTube, like maybe a year or two before he actually ended up putting something out. Um, that pretty much was referenced to most of those records. A lot of those records weren't completely finished though. So it's, that's like one of the closest things I've seen to that. But even then it's under a name. You know what I'm saying? Like when you have, when you're putting out some, putting out content that's under a different name, it's pretty much, if you, is it exists in plain sight, but it's, it's, it exists in plain sight, but it's invisible to the naked eye. Right. In so many words. So, I mean, it's dope, but I mean, as a fan, it's kind of like, it's like, bro, I get it, but what was the point? Like, there should be, unless he starts dropping out Easter eggs to this, I think in order to find it, you'll have to do like some supreme digging. It's possible. All I'll I'll leave it, my last statement is say this. It's possible only because of the secret song that Childish Gambino made that one time that fans had to like go through relics of matching beats with acapellas and all of this stuff to say like, Hey, this is actually a song when you put these two tracks together and Childish Gambino eventually confirmed it. But I don't know. I think this is, I, I just, I rather them just, I, I hope someone just comes out and says like, Hey, this is where you should start looking. Well, I mean, the way I see it is I'm a fan of Earl Swisher and Alchemist, but I'm not going to be digging the, dark interwebs to find this fucking shit like you know what i mean like i'm not so uh, when the the true true fans with hours and nights you know of time find this i will be following right up behind them like yo that's what's up you know i can listen to that now thank you for you know having the dedication to find the secret album that they hit on the internet you know what i mean there's somebody looking for it right now 
It's kind of like oh. people when they put up links for torrents, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Something somewhere like that, yeah. Yeah. It's like good looks, bro. Good looks, yeah. bro. Because I would have never, yeah. never did. I would have never found this my own on myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, uh, super crazy. Look at So before we go, listeners, um, you know, we just wanted to give our condolences to a few people who passed away this last week. You know, unfortunately. Um, we we had some deaths, so I wanted to. Well, the highly advised podcast, us as a group, you know, we wanted to give our condolences to New Jack, Paul Mooney, Kentara Miura. Um, if you're if you're not familiar, and Rolling Green, if you're not familiar with those four people, um, New Jack being the professional wrestler from ECW fame, um, we had did uh, we had actually watched a documentary about his life earlier in like the recordings of the podcast, and it's just like very surreal that he actually passed away at least for me is what i'll say about that you know what i mean did you guys like had to say anything for that um rp new jack he actually died about like two weeks ago and we just we us at the podcast unfortunately we just we missed giving our condolences last week but that's okay you know at least we're still paying our respects now um i think new jack passing away he he passed. He I think he was in his late fifties, so it was by a heart attack. So RIP to that. It's very unfortunate. Uh, some people were saying like, this is kind of like a a blessing in disguise, or or kind of like a he he went out in a peaceful way due to like the craziness of his life. Mm-hmm. Some people thought like he was going to pass away from something bizarre out of this world, yeah. due to the way how he was living his life. But the fact that he just passed away from a heart attack, some people are like, hey, that's probably like the most peaceful way the the guy could have died. Yeah. So, but I mean, whether you agree with that, agree with that or not, listeners, just RP to him. New Jack was a very popular wrestler. He never made it to WWF or E due to his extreme style of wrestling, but he is a legend because even WWF and E has acknowledged him when he passed away. So RP to him. Yeah, RP to New Jack. Um it it is kind of sad that he he's passed away. But it is uh like you said, Lau, it, it is very fortunate that he's um he passed away in a way that is much more peaceful. Hopefully I'm hope I'll say let me not just say peaceful because heart attacks may not be a peaceful thing, but hopefully it was a quick process. So it wasn't like he's had to suffer. Yeah. Through, and his and his transitioning. Um, sad nonetheless. Uh, if anybody wants to get a, a a deeper understanding of who New Jack was, in terms of his career, maybe some slight some slimness of his uh, his upbringing. There are interviews that exist on the internet from Vlad to to other to to other stations as well. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you, Beth. Uh, from other stations as well. Um, it is very unfortunate, but yeah, that's that's all I have to say. And check out Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, you know, not to to you know undermine the other deaths that were mentioned as well. Um, you know, Paul Mooney, com- uh, comic legend. Um, you know, legendary writer for you know some of the comedians we consider to be legends. You know, definitely. Uh, one of the pioneers of the type of uh, comedy that he was doing. Um, yeah. So listeners, Spitz is kind of having a little bit of audio trouble right now. And that's what happens when you, you know, you have a bunch of uh, high volume customers reaching him because, you know, Spence is, you gotcha. know, he, he, he is, a, oh, okay. 
he is a don in the game right now. So he's back. He, yeah, he he got a he got a lot of motherfucking people, you know, trying to reach out to him. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a great cook. I'm a great he, cook of food. He's a great cook. <laughs> he could tell people, you know, what kind of jets they should be riding, what kind of yachts they should be styling from. So he he's a lifestyle coach like Kevin Samuels. oh Oh, man you're too funny man you're too funny just can't make this stuff up that's all i'll say so we're we're just gonna go ahead and uh we're we're just gonna go ahead and close out with the rest of the rips because even though we gave a little lengthy thing for new jack we also still want to show respect to the the other three people were say rp2 paul mooney for me though since nigel did bring that up paul mooney for me he he is definitely a legend in the game i remember him most from being Chappelle show because i remember he was on there uh, a few times so rp to him i know a lot of people were a fan of his uh comedy also i know that he was one of those comedians that he was not afraid to say what was on his mind and what he really believed in and uh rp to him and shout out to all his fans and supporters definitely so rp to uh paul mooney uh legend in the game one of the greatest pins behind uh pretty much all the all the greatest comedians of all time so that that, there's so much i could say but i think i'll just save that for another day um a, a really hard loss i think many of us took so um, listeners, there's a manga that me and Lau used to read. Maybe he still reads. I still, I don't any longer read, but it's called Berserk. Legendary author, legendary artist, um, uh, passed away. Um, you know, definitely regards to his family and to his estate and hopefully they able to deal with that. Um, the Rolling Green situation, if you know about it, listeners, is a sad situation, unfortunately, because... There was a man who um, they reported to have crashed into a tree and died on impact. But a- according to the you know actual video that they had of the situation, they uh, tased him, drug him out of the car, um, handcuffed him, beat him up, and then um, were just dragging him around while he was in handcuffs with his hands and feet shackled. And then he apparently died on the way to the hospital. So, um, isn't what didn't they say that was like from like two years ago? It, yeah, they've had this, they've had this video for two years, and the report was made two years ago. And now, mm-hmm. like, the the woman, his sister, if I'm not mistaken, who was speaking on it on the news, has said she had just seen the, the video like maybe not too long prior to that recording. So, it's just a crazy situation. So, definitely RIP to him. Yeah, yeah it's a sad, very sad situation. Uh, rest in peace to him. Uh, hopefully justice the the justice that's necessary gets served so we have anything more, else for the li- more will be on will unfold from this i do believe so we have anything else for the listeners drink your water wear your mask um that's all i got to say stay blessed well i, I do want to say fans and listeners is make sure you do follow us at the advise highly on twitter highly advice podcast on instagram and make sure you subscribe like and comment on our youtube we actually appreciate all the youtube comments negative or positive and tell a friend tell some family members and keep tuning into us and also i want to drop a little bombshell conor mcgregor has just announced 
that he will host the Diego Sanchez versus Josh Fabia fight under the McGregor Sports and Entertainment brand. You're lying. So, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. You're, you're lying. I'm not lying. Right here. Oh my God. Send that to me real quick. I'll screenshot it because the camera is not good as that iPhone 12 camera right now. Yeah, but you gotta put you gotta put your joint in uh night mode, man. The dark mode for Twitter. Oh well anyway, here's a I little bit. I can't it. see it. Just send me a link. Yeah. All right. Well anyway, uh that's the little bombshell. I think it's a joke, but anyway, take it as what it is. And uh shouts out to all the listeners. And uh Nigel, what else you gotta say before we close out episode fifty seven? Um, you know, one thing I do want to say that I think, you know, we hit on, but, you know, might not be said to the actual listeners is we do have a certain degree of respect for these people that we talk about as far as like, you know, athletes and entertainers, like we can make comments on what they put out in front of us, but we can't make comments on them as people, you know what I mean? And we try not to disregard them as people, but, you know, we give our takes and we come here every week and, you know, show love to the listeners and try to show love to everybody that we can. So definitely um, respect to everybody. Um, if you want to follow us more, you can follow us at the Highly Advised Podcast on YouTube. You can follow us at the Highly Advised Podcast on Instagram. You can follow us at Advised Highly on Twitter. You have been highly advised. Listeners, thank you. We respect you. See you next time. You've been highly advised. I don't like this angle. This looks crazy. It's too late. You, you're already dedicated. Go ahead and go ahead and do your thing. You've been highly advised. Shasha. Shasha. Rusty. Yeah, I want, honestly, I want the fans to, I want the listeners to figure out where that comes from because that comes from a TV show. Uh, if you can figure out what TV show that comes from, Nodge will give you $20. <laughs> You've been highly advised. <laughs> <laughs>